You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Man, can we give a cheer for last Sunday, Baptism Day. Get ready for this church, Sienna Cypress downtown. Listen up as well. All campuses, all services, we baptized 296 people last weekend. Is that incredible? So amazing. And about 50% of them were spontaneous baptisms that we just said, let's just go for it. And they, they showed up strong. And, you know, and in this service, it felt like we baptized like 290 of the 296 because we went on to like three o'clock in the afternoon, it felt like. But it was just awesome to be able to see God move. And I just want you to know how special it is what God's doing in our church. He's really doing some special things of the, the power of worship, the way he's using the word of, to be able to baptize 296 people. And then a year ago, we baptized 360 people. And that's just on two days, then all throughout. So we probably baptized 800 people in the last year. I mean, it's just incredible. Can we just give praise to the Lord? So good. So good. We're so excited about that. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're kicking off a new series called People of the Church. And so we're going to talk about the next generation today. We're going to talk about widows next week. And then we're going to talk about leaders the third and following week, just following along in 1 Timothy. So it's going to be a great series. And if you got your listening guide, I want you to pull that out as well so you can take some notes and point to a couple things on the bottom just so you can see that. We gave you some prayer points for uh, Israel of what's going on there that you could pray this week at the very bottom. And then also a QR code if you're interested in volunteering as I talk about the next generation. Uh, man, we love it. We need a lot of volunteers, a lot of stuff going on. So Timothy and Paul, it's one generation of Paul, another generation of Timothy. And we're going to see a beautiful picture today of Paul pouring into Timothy. Not Paul going, well, I don't get Timothy. He's always on his phone. I'm not going to hang out with him. But Paul's saying, I want to pour into you. I want to help you. I want to minister to you. I want to make a difference in your life. There's basically five generations in America right now. Five generations. Let me show you a little pie chart here of five generations. We've got there the silent generation, which would be like 1901 to 1924. We got the baby boomers, you know who you are, Gen X, that's my crew. The millennials, that would be 1980 to 1994. And Gen Z, and also there's Gen Alpha, but we kind of put them all in there with Gen Z. I want you to see that 40% of the United States of America was born 1980 or later. And so it's a big group of folks. And then even with Gen X, you throw us in there, but particularly you got there that 40%. Now here's what's great. Those five generations are all represented in our church. And we wanna be that. We wanna be a church of every generation that's in the city of Houston. We don't wanna be a church of just this generation or that generation. We want all of them. Why? Because we have things to learn from one another. We have encouragement to be able to give. So we're gonna see Paul, who's not next gen, and we're going to see Timothy, who is next gen. Now, here's the thing that we've got to go for. Paul, who's not next gen, and let's define that to be over 40, okay? When we get to youthfulness here in just a second, it'll be defined as over 30, or excuse me, under 30 or under 40, because that was the military service age that they had aligned. So they said under 40, you could serve in the military. So that's youthfulness, under 30, even more specifically. And so let's think about it in our context of under 30 in our church and over 30 in our church. If you're over 30, then you've got to be helpful. That's what we'll see Paul is. He's helpful. If you're under 30, you've got to be teachable. 
And when those two things come together and you have generations that are helpful and generations that are teachable, then the gospel and wisdom is able to go further and further. So uh, millennials and Gen Z and Gen Alpha, listen up because some Gen X folks and some baby boomers and some silent generations, we've learned some things along the way. And we want to help you. We are for you. We want to bless you. We want to see you prosper. We want to see you live out what God has for you. Now let's look into 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 11 is where we're going to begin. We're going to take it two verses at a time, basically, and we're going to get to 16. Our first couple verses are this here, verse 11. Command and teach these things. What is that? That's everything he's already said and things that are coming up. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Those are things of the heart. Verse 13, until I come, give your attention to the public reading of the word, exhortation, and teaching. Those are things of our lives. So here's the first point that we have. And students, I really want you to listen up. Young singles, I want you to listen up. This is a message for you under 30. I want you to pay attention. I want you to get it. Here's the first thing I want you to know is this. Live rightly to lead wisely. Live rightly to lead wisely. So he says, I don't want anybody to look down on your youth list. Timothy is in his late 20s or early 30s. He's the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Paul is older than him and he's pouring into him as his son in the faith. And he says, I don't want you to have anybody look down on your youthfulness. God has a plan for you. God's got something for you. He wants to use you, Timothy. I know you're not a, a wise gray beard at the gate right now, the city, but I want you to understand God is using you. So Paul is calling him to lead up. He's calling him to step up as an example. In these six verses, we're going to end up with 10 imperative commands, meaning do it now. Let's go. Make it happen. So Timothy is here with a high and holy calling. He's an example to the others. So students and young singles and young marrieds, you should be an example in your faith to the rest of us, to encourage us that we've been walking, maybe we're even getting tired and we can look back and say, wow, look at what God is doing through them. And they are an example. Here's what's great. Ray Ortland says it like this. The great thing about setting an example is you don't need anyone's permission. You have God's command. You don't have to wait. You can start now. So under 30 crew, you can start now. You can be an example. Now, let me speak to the under 30 crew for just a second and then the over 30, all throughout the message, but in particular in this part. Under 30 crew, be aware of passion without direction. Be aware of passion without direction. Be aware also of having compassion, but no reason to it. It's just, just love, 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 love. But you're not thinking through what's gonna be the best way for me to care for somebody. Be cautious about having a cause without Christ. Everybody under 30 is looking for a cause and that's great. You make sure your cause is connected to Christ. The things that are done for Christ will last. The things that are done for this world will soon pass. Also, last one, be aware and be careful about trends without truth trends without truth. It's a cool, hot thing, but there's not a basis of truth because there's so much coming at y'all under 30. Does it have Christ in it? Does it have truth in it? Does it have purpose in it? Does it have direction in it? Is there something that's there? The light in you, I heard one person say, the light in you has got to be brighter than the light that's on you or you'll burn up. So let that light shine through you of Jesus. For the not next gen group, group which I, group, 
group. Let me start over. Not next gen group. I'm in it as well. Here's the deal. Don't stand so far back. Draw near and be helpful. Draw near and be helpful. Younger folks want a mentor. They want somebody to pour into their life. I see with younger staff, they want to ask me questions. They want to know what's going on. Uh, many of our staff, they're going to be pastors uh, one day in, in churches all over the world. That'll be great. But to be able to have me pour into them just a little bit, it's a blessing to me. It's a blessing to them. Pastors around the country different times will ask me things just because I've been doing it for just a bit. And to be able to bless them, people want that. So we can't be uh, so far back that we're not helpful. Here's the one I want you to hear, not next gen crew, which I'm a part of. If we, we will lose them if we look down on them. We will lose them if we look down on them. So if we're continually looking down on them, like, oh, y'all don't know what you're doing. I'm saying, well, y'all's this, y'all's that. If we look down upon them, we're going to lose them and we can't lose them. It's 40% of the country. It's not tomorrow's church, it's today's church. They're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. Make it a huge difference, but we will win them. And I mean, in, in affection and Christ, if we surround them with love, with trust and support. Now, why should we do this? Well, I'll give you a few reasons. Research shows that most salvations, trusting Jesus as Savior, most happen under 30 years old. 95% of people become Christians before they're 30 years old. So Sienna, Cypress, downtown, Loop Campus, I want you to do this. If you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted Him as your Savior, if you placed your faith in Jesus before you were 30 years old, I want you to raise your hand right where you are, before 30. Look at that. The vast majority of people, so if we think, well, that's those kids down there and we don't pour into them and we don't care for them, we don't minister to them, then we're losing out on eternal salvation of their lives to be able to, to minister them in that way. Think of the young biblical leaders, Joseph, Joshua, King Josiah, King David. Jesus even started his ministry at 30 years old. Think of church history, all that's happened in the great awakenings and the college movements and the things God has done. Think of American history. Do you know that over a dozen signers of the Declaration of Independence were under 30? five years old, over a dozen, and two were 26. So even in American history, we see this, that God's using this younger generation, this under 40 or under 30. Our church, even God's used younger generation in our church for years. Now, I hope you've seen the movie, Jesus Revolution. It's an amazing movie. It's now on Netflix or, you know, whatever it's on now, and you can watch it on your TV. So this movie, this is the actual magazine. It's kind of fun to look through and see the ads. I mean, look at these ads here. Now, that one's a vodka. I probably shouldn't have shown that one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's crazy. There's, it's just you can see the dates. You know, stuff happens. <laughs> this is June 21, 1971, Okay. June 21, 1971. So I'm coming up on my first birthday in August is what's happening in this moment right here. This was uh, uh, shown in the movie, Jesus Revolution at the very end. Did you know our church, Houston's First Baptist Church is mentioned in this article? We are mentioned in this article. Let me show you, read you the paragraph in which we're mentioned. At First Baptist Church, Houston, youth-minded Pastor Bassanio, 37 years old, that was my predecessor, brought in an evangelist named Richard Hogue to recruit the young in a week-long revival. Hogue traveled from school to school, this is in Houston, with his plea, and 11,000 young people stepped forward at Bassanio's church, Houston's first, to declare themselves for Jesus. Now, the first few pews of First Baptist Church are reserved for the youngsters, while the rest of the congregation mumble their amens 
The kids punctuate Bassanio's sermons. Now, let's, let's don't do this, but this is what they said. Out of sight, man. Beautiful. Right? Let's just say, good job, Pastor Greg. Amen. You're doing great. I love that here we were mentioned. This isn't a new message we're hearing. We've been about young people. We've been about students. We've been about 30 and under. We've been about the next generation for a lot, a lot of years. So much here remarked in Time Magazine. So when he says, don't look down on your youthfulness, but set yourself an example for the under 30 crowd. Be an example of the things of God. Walk with God in a way that shows yourself to be an example. First with the heart, then with your action. The not next gen crew, let's be encouragers. Let's be uh, 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 counselors. Let's be helpers. Let's celebrate all that do God's doing through them. That is awesome. If you're under 40, if you're under 30, however you want to define it, we are for you in this church. We love you in this church. We believe in you in this church. You're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. So step up, rise up, be involved, get connected, volunteer, and live out your life as an example to the rest of us as Timothy is doing here. No one is more for you than your parents. No one is more for you than your pastor. No one is more for you than this church. Walk with God. Now he's going to give us some how-tos. Look in verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14. Until I come... Give your attention to the public reading and exhortation and teaching. So this is how I want you to, to learn these things is through the Bible. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Now, let's take a stop right there. Here's your point. Live all in, for, or excuse me, live how God has wired and gifted you. Live how God has wired and gifted you. Did you hear what he said to Paul? He said, look, I want you to give your attention to the public reading of scriptures. And what's great about 1 Timothy is you get to look under the hood on church a little bit. That's why I always have my Bible in my hand. That's why I'm always holding this when I read it. I could read it off the screens. I could read it off my iPad. But I want you to see the word of God in my hands, this Bible, these little bitty pages, this leather bounding, so that you know that the public reading of scriptures has happened. One young, young guy, great, great, uh, great preacher, great, doing a great job teaching, but he was always teaching from his iPad. And he asked me my advice. And I said, hey, don't teach from your iPad. You teach from the word of God. Well, my Bible's on my iPad. Well, that's great. That's awesome. I got an iPad too. I, we go always hold that word. People died for these pages. You hold it in your hands. You let everybody know this is where it's coming from. You'd be taking this from Instagram for all we know, right? But to be able to see this right here. So the public reading of the word. And then it says, there's been a gift that has been put in you. Do you know that God has put a spiritual gift in you if you're a believer? You have a spiritual gift in you that God wants to use for his glory. And your spiritual gift may be different than my spiritual gift. Mine is different from yours. Yours is different from your neighbor's, whatever it is. But we can't say, the hand can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. The ear can't say to the leg, I don't need of you. I have the body of Christ that we've got to be put together in a way that God uses giftedness. Do you know your spiritual gift? If you don't, we put there in the listening guide for you. I put the, the website, our website, houstonsfirst.org uh, forward slash place. And you could take a spiritual gift assessment. It's not a test. You're not going to fail, okay? Nobody fails. Everybody's like, spiritual gift test, I got to make 100. No, assessment. It's just who you are. Because what God wants to do is he wants to put that pie graph together of what generation you're from, what life experiences you have, what your personality is, and what your spiritual giftedness is. And when you get your generation, your life experience and your personality and your giftedness, and yet all those three, uh, all those four things together, you get to the end and you end up with how God's going to use you. 
in a particular way. So he's not gonna use me the same way that he's gonna use somebody else that's different on all of those things. But it's all gonna be for the glory of God. We've got to know who we are in Christ. Students, young singles, young marrieds, listen to me, 30 and under crowd. If you don't know who you are in Jesus, you will always be looking for someone else to tell you who you are in their eyes. And God is faithful and man is fickle. And if you live for man, it is harder to please man than it is to please God. You live for who Jesus says you are, not who anybody else says you are. Because you'll be looking the rest of your life trying to figure out, do they like me? Do they not like me? FOMO, this, that, and the other. Uh, do they, they have enough likes on Instagram? Am I popular? What, whatever it is. You let Jesus Christ define who you are. And when he defines it, you will know your giftedness and you'll know how he has wired you. This brings stability to the church. It brings stability to the kingdom of God when everybody's operating in their spiritual gifts. Let me give you a football illustration. I got a couple football illustrations in the midst of an Astro victory weekend, okay? So we got that covered. So we got it. This is the best time of year. We got baseball and football going on. Playoffs are always fun. So let me give you a football illustration. In the NFL combine, the average speed in 2023, that's kind of like a tryout type thing of uh, the 40, a wide receiver would run a 4440. That means four seconds, 4.4 seconds. So that's a wide receiver is a 4440. The average, the average offensive guard 40 is 5.4 seconds. Why? Because that's a big old boy is what that is. So the offensive guard is going to be a second. That doesn't sound like much to us, but a second on the football field is dramatically different. But if the guard blocks and then the quarterback gets time, as the receiver runs, he'll be open for the pass and you'll score a touchdown. You need the guard and you need the wide receiver and you don't need the wide receiver playing guard because he's gonna be a smaller frame person, a lot quicker. You don't need the, the guard unless it's some kind of trick play catching a touchdown pass. So you've got this going on with, with the speed happening. There's a giftedness of their body makeup. There's a giftedness of their speed. There's a giftedness of their position. You take all those things, but we get a spiritual giftedness that God gives. Doesn't matter how big you are. Matters about Jesus in your heart, in your life. Know who you are and how God has wired you. Now, just a little under the hood of church, it says there, do not neglect the gift that is in you. That's a spiritual gift. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. This is where we get the aspect of ordination, the tradition, if you will, of ordination. Of someone set apart for the gospel ministry. He says, Timothy, the guys are gonna come, the elders are gonna come, and these men are gonna lay hands on you. And they're going to pray for you and they're going to set you apart. That word ordination literally means the filling of hands. So it's, we're going to set this guy apart. We're going to fill his hands with the giftedness in the gospel to make a difference. Now, you see this as examples in the Old Testament, four primary examples in the Old Testament. The consecration of Adam and his sons as priests to God the dedication of the Levites as servants of God, the appointment of 70 elders to assist Moses. And then you see also with the commissioning of Joshua as Moses' successor. Then you see it later on with, with uh, the 12 apostles through prayer and different things happening with the laying on of hands and with um, ordination. So I went back and I looked at my ordination certificate. I'd kind of forgotten when it was. I knew around about when it was. It was March 22nd, 1998. March 22nd, 1998. And so here's what it says on the bottom of my little certificate. 
Gregmont was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained for the work of the gospel ministry. And I remember in my church there, I sat down and I'm sure it was boring to everybody but my family to watch me sit there and be prayed for. But the men of the church came and they'd whisper something in my ear and they'd lay their hands on me and they'd pray for me. And I just remember sitting there so humbled with no clue what God would do in my life, but just knowing that God was setting me apart for vocational ministry and ordaining me, filling my hands with the gospel in that moment. Now, I wanna quickly say there is no JV and varsity in ministry or in Christianity. You are just as usable to God. You're just as important to God. So I don't wanna by any means, there's gotta be some special ceremony. I'm something special. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there was a call in my life that required a separation that to be able to be your pastor even in this time and to say, Lord, I just give you that. And I fill my hands with that. It's an amazing, amazing spiritual time. Never could have imagined what God would do through any of our lives. So that's what's happening here is Timothy's being set apart as the pastor of the church of Ephesus by Paul of a helpful generation to a teachable generation to have his gift and his wiring used by the Lord. Now look at what happens in verse 15 and 16. Listen, 30 and under crowd, here's your call. What do you do? What's the action items? Here's the action items. Verse 15, practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all, being an example. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. So here's the deal. Live all in for Jesus. Live all in for Jesus. I can give you four things, four quick things of what it means to live all in for Jesus. The Bible doesn't know anything about a 50% Christian. It's 100% Christian. Jesus gave 100% for you, we give 100% for him in response. Doesn't mean it's our works, it's our response, it's our good response. Any ladies, anybody just excited about the vows, about your husband ending the vows, right there at the wedding and say, and I'm with you 50% of the time. In richer, poor, sickness and in hell, faithful 50% of the time. Hey, 51% of the time. No, it's 100%, right? That's what a relationship is. So it's not Jesus has your Fridays, Jesus wants your Saturdays. Not Jesus has your Saturdays, he wants your Sundays. That's an easy one to give, but he also wants your Mondays. And all the days in between, when you're grumpy, he wants that. When you're ready to go, he wants that. God wants to have all of us walking with him in a way that says we are all in for Jesus. The first way that we do this is we put the word to work. Timothy, or Paul puts it like this. Verse 15, practice these things. What are those things? It's the things in the scripture. Practice these things. Put the word to work. Practice. Meditate on God's word day and night. Put your heart into this. Read this every single day. Parents, listen to this. 30s and unders, listen to this. Lifeway Research says the biggest factor in predicting the spiritual health as young adults is whether or not they read the Bible regularly as kids. So reading the Bible regularly as kids is a great indicator of becoming a godly young adult. Reading the Bible as a young adult is a great indicator of becoming a godly single adult. Reading the Bible as a single adult is a great indicator of being a, a godly married person. You see how it goes on like that? It always comes down to the scripture of putting into practice, not just hearer of the word, but doer, doers of the word. Let me give you an illustration uh, as well on this in this sports season time that we're in right now. And remember, this is an Aggie giving this illustration. There's two quarterbacks I want to illustrate. One is Peyton Manning and one is Johnny Manziel. 
Peyton Manning and Johnny Manziel. Johnny won the Heisman Trophy 2012. We went crazy about that. It was awesome. Peyton did not win the Heisman Trophy. He actually lost the Heisman Trophy, and he was the second, uh, in, in, uh, second best player behind Charles Woodson. And so Johnny was the best, and Peyton was second best. But Peyton had a work ethic, and he's known for getting there early to practice and staying there late after practice and watching game film after game film after game film after game film. You think these guys just show up on Sundays or Saturdays and just run a few plays in the backyard? You go here and I'll do this. And, you know, I mean, they'd say their plays, you, you couldn't even understand them. They, they're not even English hardly, the complexity of it. Practice, 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 game film, game film, game film. Peyton did that over and over. A documentary on Johnny Manziel said that he watched zero game film in the NFL. Zero. Not a bit. Then he'd show up for practice sometimes. Now, let me give you the stats and see if you know which person I'm talking about. Career, 18 seasons in the NFL, two seasons in the NFL. Passing yardage, 71,940. Passing yardage, 1,675. Passing touchdowns, 539. Passing touchdowns, seven. Two Super Bowl championships, five MVP awards, 14 Pro Bowl selections, zero championships, zero MVP awards, zero Pro Bowl nominations. I submit to you this. I'm not trying to beat up anybody. I hope Johnny walks with the Lord and follows God's will for his life. Practice these things, Timothy. Put this into your life. And if you're going to be a Sunday Christian as a 30 and under or a 30 and older, I'm just telling you, you're not going to throw a lot of touchdowns. It's not enough to walk with Jesus an hour a week. He wants it all because he loves all of you and cares for all of you. Number two, don't hold back. Don't hold back. What's our things to do list? Don't hold back. It's, it's found there where it says, be committed to them. It says, practice these things. Be committed to them. Don't hold back. Let your whole heart go with the Lord. I remember I went to one youth camp as a student. I've spoken at, I don't know how many youth camps before I was a pastor in particular, spoke to our youth camp of our students actually this summer as well. It's so fun. It's so amazing. Love doing it. Done, I don't know, probably hundreds of youth camps in my day. I'm not, I'm not sure. But I've been to one as a participant. One, just one. It's in Glorietta, New Mexico. It was in between my junior and senior year of high school. I'd been a Christian maybe about eight or nine months. And I got to camp. We drove a bus from Houston, Texas to New Mexico. And that'll make you want Jesus just being on the bus that long. Okay, that's just like, Lord, when are we going to get there? We watched VHS movies, you know, on the way on this TV. And so we, we got there. We finally got there. And I mean, it was amazing. It was incredible. And I, I just, I'd never seen, you know, thousands of kids my age and worship through song and, and preaching. And I mean, I just, I was like, I sat, it was kind of to, the, to this area over here to the, to the pastor's right. And I was about five rows back and I just sat there in the same pew every, every time, every session. I was just like, he's speaking to me, he's speaking to me, speaking to me. And the end, they would always end with this song. And I was so young in church. I thought they wrote the song for the camp. I thought it was like a theme song. I thought this is a great, whoever wrote this song, that guy singing it, he must've wrote it. That was a great song you wrote. That's amazing. That was incredible. You know what it was? It was the hymn, I've decided to follow Jesus. It'd only been sung, you know, decades by the time, you know, I got there and I would stand there with my hands on that pew. And I just 
It's tough on me at that moment because I was in between friend groups. And I had a friend group that was walking with God. And I had a friend group that wasn't walking with God. So it was a big decision. Am I going to walk with God or am I going to get drunk with my buddies? It's a bad decision to have on a 16-year-old, but that's where I was. And I would sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. It repeats, and we're actually going to sing it at the end of our time together. It repeats, but this is what it says. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me. And I could think of friends right now that were not going to go with me. Not only were they not going to go with me, they were going to make fun of me. They were going to ridicule me. And they did. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. My cross I'll carry. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And I tell you this, don't hold back. Students, young singles, young married, you have so much to lose by not walking with God. You have so much to lose. You get with the crew that's not walking with Jesus, you do the things that's not walking with Jesus, you're not gonna go to the college that you wanna go to. You're just not. You're not gonna get the job that you could have had. You're not gonna get the wife or the husband you could have had. You're not gonna get the friends you could have had. You're not gonna get the joy you could have had. You're not gonna have the purpose you could have had. And you're gonna wake up one day and go, what have I done? One degree off and you're gonna be 50 degrees off. And in the glory and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, he'll take you right back. He'll take you right back and he'll set you right back on the course, but you will have wandered. You have so much to lose under 30 crowd. Do you know that? So much to lose. God's not going to give you a godly woman until you walk as a godly man. And he's not going to give you a godly man until you require it, ladies, and you walk as a godly woman. Why would he waste a prince on somebody that it's an option whether or not to walk with a godly man? Why would he waste a princess on somebody that's kind of a godly man? You have so much to lose by not walking with Jesus and very little to gain. Yeah, you'll gain some attention. You'll gain some people's approval. You might get some money. You may be richer by not walking with Jesus. It will fall down before you. You give your whole heart, Timothy. You walk with God, Timothy. I know you're young. I know you're sickly. I know you're afraid. That's all in the scriptures. But you walk with God, Timothy. And people in 2023 are gonna be talking about the example you left. And you're gonna make a difference and you're gonna make such an impact. All of us have to come to that place where we say, I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. And I think about what if I would have chosen at 16 years old, what if I'd have chosen, no, I'm gonna take the crowd instead of taking Christ. I wouldn't know Kelly, I wouldn't have my kids, I wouldn't be your pastor. Three great, great joys in my life. God can redeem everything. Don't hear me putting a scarlet letter on you. God can redeem everything. But why wander? Why wander when you can walk with Jesus? Number three, do a heart check. Do a heart check. He says, pay attention 
to your life and your teaching. Not, not, not your friends, not somebody else, not somebody on Instagram. Pay attention, close attention even, to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things. So do a heart check. I want you to hear this, 30 and under. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. We are all, all age groups, we are all gold medalists at self-justification. Gold medalist. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Ask somebody else, I'm about to do this. What do you think about this? They're like, are you crazy? Don't do it. Or yeah, I could see that being your spiritual gifts and your personality and how you are and how God wants to use you. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's not worth it. Don't get one degree off and end up 50 degrees off. Walk with God. Number four, and finally, don't give up. Don't give up. The Christian life is hard. Persevere in these things, the end of verse 16. For in doing this, you will save. Now remember, whenever you see save in the the Bible, you need to say saved from what? This is not eternal salvation. This is saved from a purposeless life. In doing this, you will save yourself and your hearers from a purposeless life, basically. Persevere in these things. Walk with God. It's not easy, but you keep walking. One last sports illustration, Monday Night Football, Chicago Bears, New York Giants. Many, many years ago, there was a running back named Walter Payton, one of the greatest running backs in the history of the NFL. The announcer said this, can you believe that Walter Payton in his rushing yardage has accumulated over nine million, excuse me, nine million, that'd be a lot, nine miles, not nine million, nine miles in his rushing yardage. And the other announcer said, yeah, and that's getting knocked down every 4.6 yards. That's perseverance. You run nine miles as a running back in the NFL and you get knocked down every 4.6 yards. That's perseverance. You're gonna get knocked down. You're gonna knock yourself down. You're gonna trip over your own feet in Christianity. You walk with God. I wanna walk with God. Let's decide to follow Jesus. Don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness. As, as those of us that are over 30, let's, let's be helpful. Let's be helpful and hopeful. For those that are under 30, be teachable and realize we've seen this all before. We've seen this movie and we know how it, how it can go. So allow that to be that connection and then there's a connection that puts it together. Let me give you this last illustration and we're done. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. King David, it talks about King David served his purpose of God, served the purpose of God in his own generation. Then he fell asleep. King David fulfilled in his own generation what he's supposed to do. Our church can, should, and must be a place where the next generation feels loved, cared for, supported, surrounded, and seasoned with veterans with love, care, and wisdom, and guidance. Let me give you this last illustration connecting with current events. Our hearts have all broken for Israel and all the conflict going on there. And we're, we're praying for that. And we don't want anybody innocent to be hurt on either side. And we want God to move on both sides, to people to turn to Jesus. Well, there was a young man that grew up in our college ministry at Houston's First. He was a college student here, next gen. He was taking notes and he was praying. He was all in. He was just asking God. He felt like God was calling him to be a missionary in Israel. And so this young man headed over to Israel, actually met his wife there as well. And now they're doing ministry in Israel for the gospel of Jesus Christ doing ministry there and helping all sorts of ways and needs. Well, they came home and we were ministering to them and encouraged them as a church. 
And they left to go back to Israel the first week of October. And they landed in Israel one day before the Hamas attacks. One day. I mean, would you question kind of the sovereignty of God in that moment? You're like, Lord, they landed one day. So we've been trying to keep up with them. So we emailed with them and just seeing what they need, how we can help, how we can pray. Here was his email response, partial email response. Houston's first is my sending church and my home base. I am forever grateful for this church family. We are thankful to know that our home church is checking in on us, caring for us and praying for us in this time. Do you see coming together the support of a multi-generation church to this guy who's about 30 years old and ministering to him and his wife and their young, young marriage there, right smack dab in the middle of the current events we're watching on the news every day. That, my friend, is not next gen and next gen working together for the furtherance of the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's who we are as a church. And that's who we will be. And that's who we always have been. When we go to 1971, I can take you to 1841 and talk about the same heart. So as we wrap up, under 30 crew, nobody's more for you. Your church is for you. Your parents are for you. Your life Bible study leaders are for you. And we are celebrating what God can do in your heart and life. But you've got so much to lose. Follow Jesus under 30 crew. Follow him. He's worth it, I promise you. And those of us that are over 30, we don't get everything they do. You're not supposed to. But we know who loves them and can change their life. Let's be those kind of people to them and let God do his work through all five generations in our church to make a difference. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We love you. We thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. We thank you that the people of the church are of different ages. Thank you, men and women, young, old, in between, different backgrounds, different personalities. We thank you and we praise you. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. It's the body of Christ. I pray, Father, for our under 30 crew that they would be so teachable, so receiving. You'd protect them as they make these decisions that will last for a lifetime. They'd walk with God, decide to walk with Jesus. I pray for those over 30 that we would be helpful, not judgmental, caring, counseling, encouraging to see not the church of tomorrow, the church of today. And watch them stand up and grow up and walk in passion and heart with you. We've seen it in American history. We've seen it in biblical history. We see it in our own lives. That we would all come and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.